You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining our show today. As we continue to journey through this season of Lent, I just want to continue to offer a few thoughts on the year of St. Joseph. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen the old movie Highlander from the 80s? Do you remember the theme song by Queen? It's called Princes of the Universe. And one of the lines is, I am immortal. I have inside me blood of kings. Well, St. Joseph had the blood of kings. Now, I don't know why I made that comparison, but let's go with it. In fact, our spiritual father, St. Joseph, is a descendant of royalty. I never really thought of that before. He is the son of David. That's what they call him. And Jesus is also called the son of David 17 times in the New Testament. But of course, unlike Jesus, St. Joseph is not the Messiah. He is the only other person, though, in the New Testament who is referred to as the son of David. And we read in Matthew that St. Joseph is called the son of David by the angel of God when he is instructed by that angel not to be afraid to take Mary into his home. So why did the angel do that? Well, the angel reminded him of his lineage at what was a very crucial moment in salvation history, because St. Joseph had recently discovered that his wife was pregnant, and not fully understanding where the child came from, he was about to separate himself from her and the child. The angel reminds St. Joseph of who he is, and that God had a very important part for him to play in the coming of the Messiah. Now, can you imagine the danger that Mary would have been in had St. Joseph walked away? Can you imagine the amount of faith that Joseph needed to accept a virgin pregnancy? Joseph was in love with Mary, and many of the saints believed that he held what was happening to her with great awe, and that he was thinking about leaving because he didn't feel worthy to be with her. Joseph's faith is the kind that we can all aspire to. And so as you reflect on the mysteries of Christ in this season of Lent, I invite you to reflect on the sheer faith and courage that St. Joseph had played in the role that he was called to be as a man of faith. God is calling you to be a person of faith as well. So never underestimate how much that faith could change your life or the world. Now, let's get to work. On today's show, Changing Our World's Ana Valles joins me for today's conversation with Bishop Ramon Bejarano, Auxiliary Bishop for the Diocese of San Diego, and Deacon Jose Reyes, the Parish Life Coordinator for St. Stanislaus Parish in Modesto, California. Bishop Bejarano's focus has been on serving the Hispanic Catholic community of the diocese, as well as being the Vicar for Justice, Life, and Peace. Bishop is also the former pastor of the parish where Deacon Reyes has been assigned, and Deacon Reyes talks with us about his relatively new role as a parish life coordinator. And both men talk about ministering to multicultural Catholics in today's environment. The first half of today's conversation will be in English, and the second half will be in Spanish, facilitated by Anna. And so without further ado, here's our conversation. Well, Bishop and Deacon, it's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome to Advancing Our Church. Thank you. 
Thanks it's for a being here. Pleasure to be here. Beautiful, beautiful. And um, and and Anna Baez, our wonderful senior associate from Changing Our World. Anna, always a pleasure to have you back from Thank the West you. Coast on Advancing Our Church. So great. And you brought a couple of friends from the West Coast. Yes, pleasure to own, be here with my old friends. Yes, from the Diocese of San Diego. So um, and the Diocese of Saint Stan uh, of Stockton. Perfect. I like it, Saint Stanislaus Diocese. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh <laughs> that's a big leap wow that's impressive okay well, deacon jose you are moving up you are moving that parish up that's I great that. you've done already that's great that's great well why don't we start with uh with the bishop bishop ramon bishop you were ordained on june 14th of last year in the middle of 2020 tell us a little bit about your first year as a bishop and what was it like going through that transition it has been, well, yeah, uh, seven months, and I still uh, feel, you know, like a baby bishop uh, because I'm uh, just uh, beginning to learn, you know, exactly uh, what I need to do as a, as a bishop. Uh, I always wanted to be a priest. Uh, I never wanted to be a bishop. Uh, it was not something that was in my radar, you know. And, and I don't know, you know, God decided that uh, he needed to challenge me uh, even though I was already f- kind of very comfortable, you know, what I was doing. And and uh, it was a year ago, precisely on February 17th, that I uh, received, you know, the call from the nuncio. And I was so surprised. I never expected it. You know, when I saw that it was a call from Washington, D.C., I thought, you know, it's one of those fake, you know, calls, you know, maybe asking me, you know, hey, can you do this or that, or, or this is the IRS, you know, so uh, 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 at the end, you know, it's just like, wow, okay, so I, I was um, so surprised, I didn't know what to do at that moment, and and, and I just uh, uh, felt, you know, unworthy, and, and, and I, something that I cannot do, and, and, and I tried to explain, you know, everything to the nuncio, and and of course, I asked, you know, okay, how, how long do I have, you know, to pray about it, to think about it? And I thought maybe at least he will give me a week, you know. He, yeah. he just says, you know, well, I can wait for you here on the other side of the line, you know, just like, why? Well, I, I think I need more time than that. You know, so, so he gave me the rest of the day, you know, to pray about it. And, 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 and the rest of the day, I was just kind of uh, looking uh, for a way out, you know, how do I get out of this? You know, it's just, just like, again, what has been a great surprise in my life. And, and then of course, with a pandemic, things got, got, uh, uh, you know, postponed, you know, the ordination and everything. So at the end, you know, I, I see that the, the pandemic was a blessing for me because it allowed me, you know, then to grieve a little bit longer, to stay a little bit longer in the diocese of Stockton and, and, and be able then to to put my heart, you know, then in this transition and, and knowing, you know, that I was coming to San Diego. And of course, you know, a lot of the people in, in, in the Diocese of Stockton, you know, they, they told me, you know, well, you're going to San Diego and the weather, you know, down there is so beautiful. So you're you are really going to be blessed down there. But yes. I, I'm truly blessed, you know, by, by all the people here in San Diego. But as I, I told them at, at the beginning, you know, when I was ordained, I told them, you know, well, uh, Stockton, you know, the parishes in Stockton are the ones who taught me how to be a priest. So now you're going to have to teach me, you know, how to be a bishop because I don't know. So you're going to have to be my my teachers, you know, through this, this, this process, this experience. So, so far it has been a great, great blessing to be here. And, and, and I'm uh, uh, so happy uh, to begin to get to know uh, many of the, uh, the priests, the clergy, the parishioners, the deacons, you know, as religious sisters. So. 
Excellent, excellent. Beautiful. Deacon Jose, tell us, what was it like to make your transition, you know, going from deacon of the parish to parish uh, life administrator? If you can imagine a big truck speeding on the freeway, (laughs) and you know know how the vacuum that generates in the back pulls Mm -hmm. you over? Well, the big truck was Bishop Ramon uh, moving on, and the side effects of that win is the one that carried me over. And now I said, okay, wait a moment, where am I? After he was with us for uh, 11 years at St. Stanislaus, right. a tremendous uh, work that he did with us. Uh, once he moved to the cathedral in Stockton as the pastor at the cathedral, that's when my transition began. And, and let me tell you, I, I don't think anything will have prepared me for, for this role. Um, just like like Bishop said that he that he had one day to decide. I almost had that about the same time because I was asked about a month and a half before it really happened, but I never heard anything from anybody until one day Bishop Ramon comes to me and said, "Hey, Deacon, we are having a meeting tomorrow at the diocese. Had the bishop call you?" And I said, "No, am I in trouble? Are they kicking me out of the church? I mean, what what did I do?" And I said, "Whoa, they haven't told you yet? No." Well, and that's how I ended up where I am. So I've been uh, active here at St. Stanislaus for about 30 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I came in 1990 when I moved to Modesto. And uh, I've been a deacon for about 18 years. And as a deacon, I also had to uh, open doors. Let's say I was the first permanent deacon in our parish. And the concept of a deacon was very foreign for everybody. Sure. And so so it was interesting. Same kind of experience now. The concept of a parish life coordinator is not something people is familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of breaking ground and, and, and going slowly, uh, uh, gaining, let's say, acceptance uh, from the people. So that's, that's what I can tell you of my uh, experience. In our diocese, uh, we are only two parish life coordinators. I am the second one. So it is it is interesting. And, you know, I imagine the good thing about that deacon is is that everyone knew you. You know, they, they already knew you as a deacon there. You were a fixture there for 30 years, you know, and then deacon. And even when I was there, everybody just welcomed you with open arms. So I know Bishop Ramon would agree with me that it Probably it was a little bit easier because you were already, you know, a fixture there. It is good and it's bad at the same time. The old saying, nobody's a prophet in your own land, uh, really comes into effect yes. sometimes. And, yeah. But but it has been very interesting. Even even seeing and experiencing the change on, uh, on, on people and uh, the acceptance, uh, it, it's, it's a very interesting process. Oh, I bet. Gosh, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I know both of you serve Latino communities, large Latino communities at, at St. Stanislaus. How many families, Deacon Jose? I forget. Uh, we have registered? currently approximately 4,000 uh, registered families. And Just to give you school. an idea. <laughs> we have the school community as well with us. Exactly. So tell me, you both have served Latino communities. What do you think has been the highlight of your transition. What's been a highlight for you, Bishop Ramon, a highlight for you, uh, Deacon Jose, working with the Latino community since you you assumed your new role? 
Well, sure. uh, in, in my case, uh, you know, coming to San Diego, I knew that there were a lot of Latinos. I didn't know that the uh, how many Catholics are in the diocese. You know, uh, when I learned, you know, there are uh, uh, one million and a half Catholics in the diocese. Like, wow, you know, and and, and most of them, you know, are Latino from a Latino background. We also have a uh, you know, the, the European descent, and we have mm -hmm. uh, Native Americans, we have uh, from the Philippines, Vietnamese, from uh, Pacific, you know, ocean natives, you know, from those areas, you know, in Asia, uh, India, you know, so I mean, it's, it's very rich, you know, very rich, the, uh, the community uh, and the heritage that we have here in San Diego. But of course, as a Latino, you know, coming to San Diego, uh, I, I, I felt very much welcomed by the uh, community. One of the big blessings for me is, is, is then being able to understand the, the, the culture and, and to be able to understand, you know, and speak the language, you know, and, and be able to relate with them. And, and hopefully, I, I pray, you know, that they will be able also to, to connect, you know, a little bit closer uh, right. uh, with me as we try to, to minister together and, and grow together. You know, of course, one of the things that they did at the beginning, you know, the, the, the picture of cross that I carry right now, you know, is, it was a gift, you know, from the Latino community in the diocese. And, right. and it was handmade, you know, by, yep. by a local here in San Diego, but it's heavy. It's very, <laughs> very heavy. I don't know what is the material, you know, but it's very, very heavy. And when I, uh, they gave it to me, it's just like, I, I saw how heavy it is. It's like, are you trying to tell me something? You know, you're trying to tell me how heavy is my, gonna be my cross in San Diego. <laughs> so, um, so well, I, I mean, it hasn't been that that heavy yet, you know. But um, I know that uh, our Latino communities uh, have um, has a lot of potential. They do a lot of things. They're very active in the communities, mm -hmm. and and every uh, parish that I have uh, visited already. They, everyone has been so welcoming, you know, and, and the Latino community, you know, above also, you know, they, they tell me how happy they are that they can have, uh, again, uh, uh, a bishop, you know, that uh, has the same culture and language than that. Yes, we are very happy. Okay. <laughs> we are very happy to have you here. For me, uh, serving in here, it's, it's, it's very interesting. The parish life coordinator, one of, one of my main uh, responsibilities is to make sure that I do a balanced service uh, of the community. Sure. And, and just like Bishop Ramon explained of the variety of ethnicities and groups in, in San Diego, we almost have all of those same representations here mm -hmm. uh, uh, in Modesto and in the diocese. Right. And so it is always a balancing act to making sure that, that we serve the entire community and we keep everybody uh, in, in mind when we are uh, serving them. The highlight for me has been moving from, uh, you know, the culture, the Hispanic culture is El Padrecito. El Padrecito will do this. El Padrecito will do that. And all of a sudden, well, it's no longer El Padrecito. It's this other person who's there. And, and so um, going going with that culture and, and the awareness of how to serve that community is is very important, sure. and I, I was I was talking with Jim before the two of you join in, and we were talking that the role of a parish life coordinator is we are still trying to figure out what it is, yeah. and it has given me a deeper understanding and appreciation for what pastors 
do uh, when they are in, in, in a parish. And the threefold uh, role that they have is, is, is what has also been almost in its entirety entrusted to me for St. Stanislaus. And that is the teaching, the governing, and the sanctifying functions uh, uh, for, for, for the community. And so it is, it is definitely uh, um, interesting to focus on the different cultures and try to understand them in a, in a much better, let's say from a different perspective. Although I've been here for 30 years, this is the first time when I said, okay, now I need to become more aware, uh, be attentive uh, to the differences in, in cultures. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I tell you, Deacon, I, I, um, I was sharing with you before I, uh, at the beginning of my career, I worked in parish ministry for a number of years. And um, one of the things I don't know how pastors get by is the, the, uh, the daily pile of mail that comes from the diocese or the archdiocese and all the other folks that need your attention. I mean, just the sheer amount of communications that you have yeah. to digest as a pastor or a parish life communicator and all the different, the, the daily stuff. I think it would, people would be surprised, those who haven't worked in a parish, how busy it is at a parish, just on a daily right. basis, uh, ministering to the needs of the people, communion calls, calls for the sick, daily mass, people who come in needing help, the emergencies that come up, facilities, challenges. I mean, you are certainly shouldering a, a huge burden for the diocese and providing a wonderful service in your ministry. So, uh, thank you. I, I think it's something, I mean, it's something that we're seeing in other dioceses around the country. Um, and I think it's something that while we're in this crisis of vocations, we're probably going to see more around the country just out of necessity. So right. thank you for helping us to define that role, because it yeah. is going to be a very critical role in the years to come. So Bishop, in your new role, uh, you're the vicar for justice, life, and peace in the Diocese of San Diego. And in your tenure, before you became a bishop, you served as chaplain in the migrant ministry, celebrating mass for families and workers in migrant camps, providing sacraments and counseling. I would imagine that's helped to inform your, your mission and your ministry a little bit. Tell us a little, a little bit about what it is to be the vicar for justice, life, and peace in the Diocese of San Diego. As I said at the beginning, it was the people, the one who taught me, you know, to be a priest and, 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 and the migrant families, the migrant people taught me a big, big, big deal, you know, about their lives, their struggles, the, the issues, you know, and, and one of the things that is really at the core of the gospel is precise, precisely mercy, you know, the gospel of mercy that uh, God had mercy on all, all of us, that he sent us his only son to save us, to to uh, restore us to, to, to life in, in God. And, and it is our ministry as a church then to do the same thing, you know, to, to live the gospel of mercy. You know, that's why we have, you know, the uh, uh, works of mercy uh, and the spiritual and the, and the material works of mercy, um, the corporal works of mercy. The offices of, of justice, uh, peace, uh, life, in, in many ways, uh, our ministry to live that gospel of mercy, to look at, at the needs of, of the, uh, the, the needy, the, the vulnerable, uh, the migrants, the impact that we're having on, 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 on the creation, the protection of, of life, you know, from the moment of conception to the moment of natural death, the uh, ministry to the incarcerated, you know, and, and the sick, all those things, you know, that we do as, as ministry of, of mercy. So I'm truly privileged to work 
uh, with this office and, and, and hopefully uh, with what I have learned again from the communities in the Diocese of Stockton and the migrant community will help me uh, to do a, a good ministry and, and, and to share with, with them, you know, uh, the, my limitations and, and a little bit I, I, I know and I have learned. But at, at the end, you know, it's working together. For me, it's really working together and going, you know, arm to arm, you know, hand to hand and, and how we can support one another and challenge one another. You know, one of the things that I always like to challenge, you know, our, our Latino communities is, is that they have to become truly leaders, you know, as, as the Latino community grows in the U.S., yeah. They have to, uh, we are going to need more and more leaders that are Latinos so that they have to, to study, they have to get their degrees. You know, uh, one of the challenges with a lot of migrant families is that sometimes when they are moving, you know, from place to place, you know, going to the harvest, you know, then the children don't have, get the opportunity to be able to go to school, you know, the whole year. And mm. many of them don't get the, their, their high school diploma, you know, so uh, working, you know, again, for for. Um, a lot of these uh, migrant uh, communities to be able to to take advantage of, of uh, all these good opportunities for them to succeed, you know, in this country and, and to truly uh, be uh, of great service and uh, to the whole world, you know, to the whole society here in the U.S. I appreciate that focus, uh, Bishop. My my grandparents were migrant workers in the San Joaquin Valley. They lived in Hanford. My mom was born in Felton because they were working out in the fields there. So yeah, I can appreciate the uh, the focus of that role um, very much. Are you, uh, I, I would imagine you're finding great support for your ministry there, uh, your new ministry in the Diocese of San Diego, Bishop? Like like everything, you know, uh, a lot of, uh, of these issues are kind of, uh, um, difficult, you know, uh, I mean, there, there is not uh, an easy understanding about uh, uh, incarcerated and, and how to help them and how, how to help them transition, you know, from, from imprisonment to become, again, good citizens, you know, in society yeah. and, and, and uh, the whole issue about immigration too, how, how do you keep a balance and, and, and how do you truly are humane, you know, to people who are knocking at your door, you know, asking for help. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, protection of the environment, you know, uh, I mean, all all these issues uh, are are not easy, you know, are, right. are a big challenge, you know. And hopefully, again, as we work together, we might be able to tackle uh, them, you know, little by little, and, and hopefully give more hope, more hope to our, our our new generations and our future generations, but also. Uh, more hope to uh, the whole planet, you know, as well. Mm-hmm. Without a yeah, doubt. Um, Deacon Jose, you know, since you've taken over, we've been in this little thing called a pandemic, as you well know. Um, I can only imagine that that has uh, impacted your style of leadership or at least impacted the way in, in your first year of, of uh, administrating at the parish. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How have you had to adjust your your style? You know, at the first Sunday of Lent last year, I gave the homily at all masses, and I challenged the community to look at all of the previous Lents in their lives and make sure that this new this Lent that we were uh, going to uh, um, experience, they make it a Lent like they had never experienced it before. Little I knew that the pandemic was going to hit three weeks later. And so they all say that it's because of the challenge I made to them. <laughs> now they have to live 
<laughs> lint like they never experienced it before. So, um, but it was very interesting. I had been only five, six months into my new role when when the pandemic came, and and just when we were gaining the momentum of acceptance for a parish life coordinator, and we were starting to move forward, that's when all of this came. And for me, more than changing uh, leadership style, it's more about being aware of the different ways people is experiencing the pandemic. Mm. Right. I have said it from the beginning, we are all under the same storm, but we are not in the same boat. Mm. You know, the expression, we're all in the same boat. Well, that doesn't apply here. Right. Each family, each person is experiencing this in very different ways. Uh, last week and uh, also first Sunday of Lent, I uh, made the uh, um, the comparison or that for some people, the pandemic, they only focus on the inconveniences that it has brought to their life. But then I said, when you think about the inconveniences, think about the families that have lost a family member. Right. We have families in our community that have lost up to six family members hmm. uh, in the same family. And so, so definitely not in the same boat. Every experience right. uh, has been different. So, so as far as leadership style, it's it's more about being aware of of that and every decision we make, making sure that we take into account in as much as possible the experience that people is having with this pandemic and understanding where they are, where they are coming from. Right. Um, whether it's in, in criticism for the decision or in support of the decision, they must be coming from different experiences of it. Well put, well said, uh, Deacon Jose. And, you know, um, Bishop, if I were to ask you what has been the biggest challenge amidst the pandemic for you, what would you say? Well, many challenges, but the, but the biggest one has been for me in this time of transition that I didn't have the opportunity to truly say, you know, goodbye to the people that I live with for many, many years that I served, you know, for many years. And then the opportunity to say, you know, I'm here, you know, uh, to serve you, to, to, to get to know you. So, so the limitation for me is, is that, yeah, I mean, I have been able to, to go to, to parishes to, to get to know some, some of the people but just on the distance, you know, it's hello, you know, it's good to, sure. to be here, you know, I, 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 but I mean, there is no, uh, to shake hands, you know, to, to give a, a, an embrace, you know, all those kind of things that are so part of our humanity and, and, and that uh, helps us, you know, then to connect in a very special yes. way. So, so I, I, I feel, you know, that I'm getting to connect a little bit more and more but uh, not that fast. And, 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 and again, I, I just been telling people, I hope, you know, and I dream for the day, you know, we will be able then to, to be able to, to give a hug, you know, to one another or, or at least sure. a good handshake, you know, and, right. and, and to be able to, to be able to show our whole face, you know, because yes. I, 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 I met, you know, someone uh, last weekend say, I Bishop, you know, I, I don't know if you remember me. And of course, you know, with a face market like, but I don't ever remember you. I mean, <laughs> just looking at you, you know, it's so difficult, you know, because you only see the eyes of the person, right? Right. So. Good point. I had not thought of that, Deacon or Bishop. The idea of being able to say 
goodbye to your parishioners at St. Stanislaus, and then also being able to really meet your new community here in San Diego. I hadn't even thought of that. Well said, well put. Yeah. So it has been, I guess, the greatest challenge right now, right now for me as, as a person. I bet. Wow. Thank you for sharing, Jim. Well, for this portion of the conversation, we're going to, uh, it's going to be spoken in Spanish. So Anna's going to lead that part of the conversation. But I wanted to say muchísimas gracias, obismo y decano, from, from me to you. And uh, I hope that you have a great conversation with Anna. <laughs> gracias, Jim. <laughs> or we should say gracias, Jaime. Ah, sí. <laughs> Muy bueno. Buenas tardes, diácono y obispo Ramón. Es un placer estar aquí con ustedes. Gracias, Ana. Es un placer estar aquí con ustedes. Obispo, usted fue ordenado el 14 de junio del año pasado. Este, ¿Qué nos puede decir acerca de su primer año como obispo. Ah, bueno, gracias. Sí, el, el 14 de, de, de julio, hace siete meses, y um, pues ha sido uh, para mí un tiempo de, 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 de transición en mi vida. Um, hace precisamente un año, el 17 de febrero, cuando recibí la, la llamada sorpresa de mi vida, la llamada del nuncio apostólico, haciéndome esta pues haciendo haciéndome este anuncio yo cuando vi la llamada que vi que era de Washington DC yo pensé que era el IRS verdad que estaba diciéndome verdad usted no ha pagado sus impuestos uh, o algo así pero bueno ya que vi que era este algo más en serio pues sí me llevé la sorpresa de, de, de mi vida y es que pues bueno yo siempre uh, quise decía y, y pienso que es lo que Dios uh, quería verdad que yo fuera sacerdote toda la vida nunca pensé Uh, en, en, en ser obispo o que me pasara por la cabeza. Yo ya estaba muy, muy a gusto en, en, en mi vida como sacerdote, ya este, como párroco. Yo ya dije, ya tenía pensado, ¿verdad? Este, como cuántos años más me quedaban, ¿verdad? Como párroco, a lo mejor cuántas parroquias y dónde me iban a sepultar, ¿verdad? Yo ya también sabía, dije, aquí es donde voy a terminar. Y pues Dios cambió todo. Dios cambió absolutamente todo y, y pues me, me retó. A, a salir de, de mi área de confort, de, de donde me sentía a gusto y me retó, ¿verdad?, para venir hasta acá, hasta San Diego, que es una bendición estar aquí. Uh, no tenía yo idea de lo grande que es San Diego y, y de la cantidad de católicos que hay en San Diego, un millón y medio de católicos y la mayoría de ellos hispanos, pero también la riqueza cultural, ¿verdad?, no únicamente los hispanos hay a, a familias filipinos, a vietnamitas, a personas de, de, de la, las islas del Pacífico, de, de India, otras partes de Asia, a católicos de África y, y los a, a católicos también latinoamericanos, es decir, la, la riqueza cultural que hay aquí en, en, en San Diego es, es in, in, impresionante. Así que me siento muy, muy bendecido, pero como les dije a, al principio cuando me ordené, pues fue en, en, en Stockton, donde a mí me enseñaron las personas a ser sacerdote, pues ahora les va a tocar a ustedes aquí en San Diego enseñarme cómo ser un obispo, porque pues yo no sé. Con gusto. Gracias, obispo. Gracias. 
Diácono José, este, ¿cómo fue su transición administrador eh, de la parroquia? Sí, bueno, el, el, el título oficial que, que, que tengo pues se llama el coordinador, el administrador de vida parroquial, coordinador de vida parroquial. Ese es el coordinador de vida parroquial. Todavía estamos tratando de entender qué significa, sí. pero para mí la transición fue, eh, así como para el obispo Ramón fue algo imprevisto, yo la forma como lo comparo es si usted va en la carretera y de repente le pasa un camión de esos grandísimos y pasa a la par suya en una gran velocidad, ese efecto como de, como de aspiradora que trae atrás, que, que le va jalando, así fue como sentí yo que me jalaron cuando eh, el, 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 el entonces padre Ramón, ahora obispo, lo mueven de San Estanislaos para la Catedral de Stockton como párroco de Stockton, y se menciona, pues, me, me preguntan si, si me interesaría a mí eh, esta, esta posición, pero pasaron varias semanas, más de un mes, y no oí nada, hasta que un día eh, el obispo Ramón viene y me dice, José, mañana nos reunimos con el obispo allá en Stockton, y le digo, ¿para qué, padre? ¿Alguien se quejó de mí? ¿Me van a sacar? ¿Qué es lo que, qué es lo que está pasando? No, me dice, no te han llamado. No, le digo, es que te vas a hacer cargo de la parroquia. Ah. Dice, bueno, aquí vamos. Pero ha sido una transición bastante interesante porque eh, así como en San Diego hay esa diversidad de grupos étnicos y culturas, aquí en Modesto y en la diócesis de Stockton también tenemos esa gran sí. variedad. Y el concepto de, de coordinador de vida parroquial es un concepto tan nuevo para esta diócesis, que solo somos dos los que vemos, yo soy el segundo. Entonces la transición ha sido eh, un poco, eh, digamos, por camino rocoso para poder, eh, para poder ganar, digamos, la aceptación, para poder eh, eh, que la gente entienda cuál es el, el papel, pues, del, del coordinador de vida parroquial. Sí, y buscando... ¿Verdad? ¿Qué es el rol? Sí. Eh, también. Gracias. Uh, obispo Ramón y Diácono José, ustedes este, dos trabajaban con comunidades latinos, ¿verdad? Y este, como pastor este, y diácono, este, ¿qué ha sido lo más inolvidable y qué reto han tenido desde que hicieron su, su transición? Uh, hay muchas cosas hermosas que han pasado durante este tiempo de, de transición. Claro que llegando aquí como obispo, sé que eh, mi servicio y mi trabajo es para todas, todas las personas de la diócesis, pero como latino, uh, que conozco pues, la, la cultura y la, la lengua también, pues uh, de alguna manera pues, me siento más, más conectado con la comunidad latina. Y, y pues a, a, han sido todos aquí en San Diego, todas las, las parroquias, todas las personas han sido muy, muy hospitalarios, me han dado la bienvenida a, con los brazos abiertos. A, a, algo que este, fue muy hermoso de la comunidad latina precisamente es la, la cruz pectoral que, que llevo, eh, es un regalo de, de la comunidad latina de aquí, uh, fue hecha a mano por uh, un, una persona de aquí mismo de San Diego, pero el día que me la presentaron, pues, caray, yo, 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 la, yo la recibí y está muy, muy pesada. 
y entonces, este, pues ya les dije, ay caray, pues está muy pesada la, la, la cruz, ¿qué me quieren decir con esto? Quiere decir que mi cruz en San Diego va a ser muy, muy, muy pesada, así que pues bueno, bendito sea Dios, no, no, no ha sido da, tan pesada todavía, pero uh, me siento muy bendecido uh, de estar aquí. Y con lo, los retos, uno de los retos uh, que, que veo aquí en, nuestro, en nuestra comunidad es, claro, poder crecer como comunidad, como diócesis, estar más unidos unos con otros, uh, y el trabajo que se tiene que hacer también en las parroquias, en las comunidades. Un reto sí. muy grande que yo veo sobre todo también es con nuestros jóvenes. ¿verdad? Tenemos muchos, muchos jóvenes en nuestra diócesis, muchos de ellos hispanos, y algunos de ellos están desconectando uh, mucho de, de su fe, y es porque se les hace difícil poder conectar la fe con la ciencia, ¿verdad? Y es uno de los retos que, que vemos, uh, piensan que la fe y la ciencia están divorciados, ¿verdad? Pero, pero es muy, muy importante que ayudemos a nuestros jóvenes para que vean cómo se complementa precisamente la fe y la ciencia y se ayudan. A el, el uno al otro, pero sobre todo como la fe viene a darle completamente sentido a, a la ciencia. Así que pues, bueno, tenemos muchos retos, pero yo creo que uno de los más grandes en este momento es poder ayudar y apoyar más a nuestros jóvenes. Ah, sí. <risa> ¿Diácono? Ah, para mí, el, este papel de coordinador de vida parroquial me ha enseñado pues a, a, a tener una, una mejor idea de o más bien un mejor entendimiento de cómo poderle servir de una manera balanceada a todas las, las, los, las culturas y los grupos que hay en la, en la comunidad. Recuerdo las palabras del obispo Stephen Blair cuando eh, nos ordenó de diáconos, eh, precisamente en el caso mío, que hablo español y hablo inglés, eh, fue bien específico él, y me dijo, te ordeno no para servir a una comunidad específica, te ordeno, me dijo, para servirle a la iglesia de Stockton. Entonces, ahora en este, en este papel que me está tocando desempeñar, eso se ha hecho para mí muy importante, estar seguro de que eh, en el servicio que estoy prestando, tengo en cuenta todos los grupos eh, sí. étnicos, todas las culturas, y no solo las culturas, las subculturas que existen dentro de, dentro de un, es, grupos específicos. Claro. Um, me ha enseñado este papel también a tener una mejor apreciación por los párrocos. Eh, y así el día que algún día el obispo encuentre un párroco para que volvamos aquí a, a tener párroco, pero que se haga lo que, como dijo Jesús, que se haga tu voluntad y no la mía. Uh, ¿Por qué? Porque eh, el triple papel que representan eh, los párrocos y que ahora pues me está tocando casi en su totalidad llevarlo a mí, la triple función que es la función de enseñanza de gobernación o de administración y de santificación de la comunidad y sí. tener a toda la comunidad pues en, en, en cuenta cuando eh, vamos a, a tomar decisiones, cuando estamos eh, sirviéndole a la comunidad. Bien dicho, gracias. Este obispo, antes de ser obispo, durante su tiempo en el Valle Central, usted trabajó como pastor al Ministerio Migrante, celebrando misa para familias y trabajadores en campos de migrantes, este, uh, proveyendo también los sacramentos. Este, ¿Cómo le afectó su nueva posición como pastor de justicia, paz y vida? 
Ah, claro, claro que sí, pues uh, bendito sea Dios que tuve esa oportunidad de trabajar con muchas familias uh, migrantes ahí en, en, en el área, la diócesis de Stockton, y, y poder aprender sobre todo sobre sus retos, sus, sus uh -huh. problemas, dolores, sus sueños, ¿verdad? y todo lo que, lo que ellos han vivido y experimentado como, como sí. inmigrantes, y al mismo tiempo pues ser solidario con ellos. Eso me ha ayudado mucho porque aquí entonces en la diócesis de Stockton como vicario de, de la oficina de, 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 de vida, de paz y justicia, pues tengo la oportunidad de vivir precisamente lo que es el evangelio, ¿verdad? El evangelio es un evangelio de misericordia, ¿verdad? porque sí. eh, precisamente vemos la misericordia de Dios que se manifiesta enviándonos a su propio hijo para que sea, para que sea nuestro salvador y, y nuestra redención viene precisamente a través de ese amor que Dios nos tiene. Y como iglesia, pues estamos llamados precisamente a vivir y practicar esa misericordia uh, con los que sufren, con los vulnerables, con, con los trabajadores, con, con todos aquellos que, que están necesitados también de ese amor de Dios. Um, y, y pues bendito sea Dios, eh, esta oficina pues me ayuda a poder uh, trabajar un poco más pues con los inmigrantes, con, con los que están en la cárcel, con los enfermos con eh, el área pues de, de, de poder promover más eh, el respeto a, a nuestro, a, a, al clima, a, de cuidar la creación, a, de, de apoyar también pues a las familias y, y el respeto que debe haber siempre en la vida humana desde el momento de, de su concepción hasta el momento de su muerte natural. Pues hay muchas, muchas áreas a, en esta oficina que, que de nuevo son parte de la, del, del trabajo de misericordia de la iglesia, pues me siento muy bendecido de poder ser parte de ella. Y nosotros sentimos muy bendecidos que tienes esa posición, sí. Gracias, obispo. Diácono José, sobre la pandemia, este, ¿cómo ha tenido que adaptar su estilo como líder durante este año? Ha sido como ninguna que yo he visto en mi vida. Ha sido como ninguno y recuerdo el primer domingo de cuaresma del año pasado en las homilías que di ese fin de semana para la comunidad los invitaba y los retaba a que reflexionaran en todas las cuaresmas de su vida vieran cómo habían vivido esa cuaresma y los reté a que vivieran una cuaresma como nunca la habían experimentado en su vida. Muy poco me imaginaba yo que dos, tres semanas después íbamos a estar en la pandemia. Entonces sí. muchos me decían, ¿para qué nos retó esta, esta cuaresma? Sí, esta cuaresma. <risa> um, pero más que todo, más que cambiar un estilo de, de cómo le, de liderar, eh, ha sido el entender que la pandemia no afecta a las personas de la misma manera, que cada persona experimenta la pandemia de una manera diferente. Sí. Hay una expresión que dice estamos todos en el mismo barco. Esa expresión no se aplica, en mi opinión, y lo he dicho desde el principio, en esta pandemia. Estamos sí bajo la misma tormenta, pero no estamos en el mismo barco. Hay quienes están en una barca que ya se les está hundiendo, que tienen que estarle sacando el agua para que no se hunda. Otros están en un yate de lujo que todavía van pasando por la tormenta de esa sí. manera. Este domingo pasado eh, les decía yo que para muchas personas 
se han enfocado únicamente en las inconveniencias que la pandemia me ha traído. Sí. Y, los, y les, les, los, les ponía yo pues en la comparación y les decía, cuando piensen ustedes en sus inconveniencias, tengan en cuenta a las familias que han perdido seres queridos en esta pandemia. Aquí en nuestra comunidad tenemos familias que han perdido uno, dos, cuatro, hasta seis personas de la misma familia que han muerto debido al coronavirus. Entonces, eh, es cuestión de que, de que cada uno tengamos la, la, la ¿cómo le pudiera decir? La, el, el amor, la, la, la misericordia de decir, no todos están experimentando la pandemia de la misma manera. Y que sí. cualquier decisión que tomemos sea tomada, en, eh, tenga en cuenta eso. Y aún cuando recibimos una crítica o un apoyo por una decisión que hemos tomado, tener en cuenta de dónde vienen eh, eh, la experiencia de ellos en esta pandemia. Y así pues tratar de pasar al otro lado de la pandemia, como eh, les decía también este fin de semana, eh, algún día vamos a salir de la pandemia. Y cuando salgamos, igual que Noé, cuando salió, Noé pasó 190 días en la barca antes de poder salir. Fue una cuarentena de 190 días y salieron no para ser las mismas personas. Tenían una nueva alianza con Dios. ¿Cuál va a ser la nueva alianza que nosotros vamos a tener al salir de esta pandemia? Ya no podemos seguir siendo los mismos. Tenemos que buscar una nueva manera, una nueva relación con Dios y con los demás. Bendito sea Dios. Muchísimas gracias por esas palabras. Este Obispo y diácono, ¿qué pueden hacer las parroquias como los ministerios pastorales para mantenerse fuertes en este clima actual? Pues así como vamos a necesitar todos una, una vacuna para uh, librarnos del, del, del coronavirus, vamos a necesitar todos una vacuna espiritual eh, en nuestras comunidades, ah, en nuestras parroquias. Sí. Que, que bendito sea Dios, la pandemia nos quitó muchas cosas, pero también nos retó a, a ser más creativos, a buscar otras opciones, otras oportunidades, a otras opciones. Claro que no necesariamente lo mismo, y aunque todos queremos volver a una vida normal, como era antes, pues esperamos, ¿verdad?, que no sea tan normal, sino que al contrario, nos ayude a buscar un nuevo normal, que sea mucho mejor ah, para nuestra vida. Uh, sí. para nuestro espíritu, de la manera como, como vamos a ver todas las cosas, uh, sí. especialmente lo precioso que es, que es nuestra vida, porque a mí algo que, que me dolió mucho uh, con esta pandemia es las pocas veces que pude tener la oportunidad de ir a ver a un enfermo, porque pues no le permitían, uno ni siquiera en los hospitales acercarse o entrar al hospital, pero unas cuantas oportunidades que sí me dieron esa oportunidad, que pude por lo menos desde fuera, desde la ventana, a enviar una bendición a ese enfermo, ¿verdad? Pero, pero el dolor, ¿verdad? De ver que esa persona estaba muriendo sin nadie a su sí, lado, sin solos. ese miembro de la familia que le pudiera decir, te queremos mucho, agarrarle la mano, ¿verdad? darle un beso, ¿verdad? Todo, todo, todo eso. Pero a re reconocer, ¿verdad? Todo, todas las cosas valiosas que verdaderamente tenemos en nuestra sí. vida. Y ojalá que podamos entonces seguir utilizando los medios de comunicación. Al principio, el, el, la primera vez cuando yo tuve que, que se cerraron las iglesias y que tuve que celebrar la misa enfrente de una cámara con una iglesia completamente vacía. Y a la hora de la humilía, pues yo veía y, y pues no hay nadie. ¿A quién yo le estoy predicando aquí, verdad? ¿A quién, 
la, sí. la humilidad, pues quién es. Pero bueno, el mensaje, ¿verdad? Es el Espíritu Santo el que se encarga de, de, de llevarlo. Ojalá sí. que en esta vacunación espiritual, todos uh, en nuestras parroquias tengamos el deseo de regresar a la Eucaristía, que es lo más importante en nuestra fe católica, pero también ¿verdad? ojalá que haya oportunidades de, de retiros, o oportunidades de, de convivir y celebrar nuestra fe y celebrar nuestras culturas, celebrar toda nuestra riqueza que, que tenemos. Pero algo que es muy importante, que el Papa Francisco ha estado diciendo también mucho, es la proclamación del querigma, ¿verdad? es decir, de, de, de poder reconocer que, que Cristo, que ha muerto y que ha resucitado por nosotros, está presente, está vivo, no, no, no es un ser histórico que vivió hace mucho tiempo, es, es una persona real que vive en medio de nosotros, que es Dios, que es salvador, y, y por eso el querigma creo que es muy, muy importante que lo proclamemos a, a, en este tiempo. Gracias, obispo. Wow. Diácono José, consejos. Sí. Como, como dice la expresión, eh, eh, idem, todo lo que dijo el obispo, sí, de, definitivamente. La creatividad sí. en los grupos es, es bien importante, porque una de las cosas es de que, eh, de los efectos secundarios de la pandemia, es que muchos grupos se han echado para atrás y, y como que no hay, no hay manera y no le buscan pero de que hay maneras, hay maneras. Sí. Y pueden continuar, eh, como les decía yo también durante todo este tiempo, pueda que nos hayan cerrado las puertas de los edificios, pero el edificio no es la iglesia, la ah, iglesia sí. somos nosotros, y, y como iglesia no nos pueden cerrar, y entonces tenemos que usar la creatividad para podernos eh, eh, seguir eh, eh, haciendo ministerio, haciendo lo, lo que hacemos. Ah, uno de los retos más grandes que yo he visto en esta pandemia es la desinformación que existe. Mm. Eh, y muchos grupos eh, eh, se basan, se basan en, en, en noticias extremistas eh, para, para, pues para, para decir, no, eso no hay que hacerlo, no, no lo puedo hacer, no en esa iglesia no están haciendo esto, vámonos a esta otra. Mm. Y, y, y no, hay mucha desinformación y, y sobre Buen todo punto. por la vacuna. Me gustó esa, esa eh, expresión del obispo de la vacuna que necesitamos sí, sí. para el coronavirus y la vacuna espiritual. Claro. Ambas son muy importantes. Y con respecto a la vacuna de, del coronavirus, hay tanta desinformación y grupos que están tratando de... de, de, de desanimar a la gente a, claro. a que se la ponga. Cuando el Papa y el Vaticano y los obispos, todos nos han dicho que eh, eh, por el bien común es necesario pues hacerlo. Uh, creo yo de que eh, esos son de, la, de los retos que hemos enfrentado en esta pandemia, pero sí nos hemos hecho mucho más creativos, mucho más creativos. Y eso ha sido muy bueno porque yo les recuerdo a la gente ¿Se recuerda cuando trajeron a sus hijos a bautizar? Ahí les hicieron una pregunta. ¿Están dispuestos a educar a estos niños en la fe para que crezcan siendo personas de fe? Y dijeron, sí, pues ahora es tiempo de que nosotros los hagamos a ellos cumplir con esa promesa. Mm. Que en la iglesia doméstica, educar a sus hijos, les sí. damos todas las herramientas para que eduquen a sus hijos en casa. El catecismo no se ha terminado, la formación no. de fe no se ha terminado, todo eso continúa, pero ahora ya no es, ay, llevo a mis hijos al catecismo, no, 
ahora es mi responsabilidad como padre de familia, como madre, de, de, de educarlos en la fe. Wow, buen dicho. Muchísimas gracias a los dos. Wow, uh, es un placer de veras estar aquí con ustedes oyendo sus, sus palabras tan bonitos. Este, ahora, obispo, por favor, puedes este terminar a este uh, podcast con una oración para nosotros. Con mucho gusto, claro, claro que sí. En nombre del Padre y del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Amén. Te damos gracias, Señor Dios nuestro, por este regalo que nos das de poder compartir este tiempo de poder expresar estos sentimientos y pensamientos. Te pedimos que bendigas a nuestras comunidades, a nuestras familias, nuestras parroquias, que nos ayudes a crecer en un conocimiento más profundo tuyo, que reconozcamos que tú eres nuestro Señor y Salvador y que vives en cada uno de nosotros. También te pedimos muy especialmente que a través de este tiempo de transición nos ayudes para que podamos ir creciendo más profundamente en, en ese anhelo y ese deseo de vivir nuestra fe y de proclamarla a todos los lugares. Bendice esta organización de Cambiando el Mundo y todas las organizaciones también que siguen ayudando y apoyando a la iglesia. Y Virgencita María, también nos encomendamos a tu poderosa intercesión. Ayúdanos a amar a tu Hijo Jesús así como tú lo amas. Y todo esto lo pedimos, pidiendo tu bendición sobre todos nosotros, en el nombre del Padre, y del Hijo, y del Espíritu Santo. Amén. Amén. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you both for a great afternoon. Uh, thank you, Jim, for sitting through that. Um, I really do appreciate, we appreciate the time that you both took today to do this podcast. And we really look forward to sharing this with our larger uh, community out there. So, otra vez, gracias. Y que tengan buen día, buen semana. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Good to see you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank Bishop and Deacon Reyes for being on our show today, and of course, our own Ana Valles for facilitating the conversation. If you'd like more information about Bishop Ramon or Deacon Reyes, I will leave links in our show notes. And to view the full video presentation of this podcast, please visit the show's episode page on advancingourchurch.com. Well, that's our show this week. Many thanks to the Changing Our World podcast team and to Pottery Studios for another great show. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for over 21 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everyone. Have a great week. Take care and God bless.